I, I just know. Talked to you. Okay, you can talk. Okay, so <clears throat> hello, teacups. This is Sally. Gabby is away on a little trip, and so we are doing a an episode that's just me with a very special guest. My special guest is Ryan from the band Guster. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Applause. Insert applause. What a treat this all is. <laughs> it is a treat to have you, Ryan. Great to be here. So Ryan is joining me because we have a common interest, which is talking about music. It's true. We both it's like true. music. <laughs> and I met you on the internet because you were talking about music. And I liked how you talked about music. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So on Christmas, I posted on the Moody Bins TikTok about perfect songs, which I called Dimes. And I made a playlist and Ryan responded and sent me his playlist of a similar kind. I feel like this is like, this is awkward. Is this awkward? What's awkward? No. Are we we're doing, Are we being awkward no, right now? We're doing great. We're just setting it up. Okay. This is like, this okay. is like the preamp. It's like when you get a book and there's like a preface and you're like, yeah. why are you telling me about the book I'm going to read? Just read me the book. But you still, sometimes you yeah. want a preface. So I, I'm. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing preface. a little bit of a preamble, preamble here. Moose bush. <laughs> <laughs> so I invited Ryan to do this guest episode because we have been volleying back and forth uh, the concept and content of like perfect songs. Yeah. And you had a dimes, you had a dimes playlist, which mm -hmm. I, I'm, and I have also a playlist that I started when my kids were born because I was like, okay, there's no more radio. Mm -hmm. Like, how are my kids going to know about under pressure right. or groove is in the heart mm -hmm. or like these songs. So I wanted to basically have a playlist that I could build for them. So every time I heard a song, I was like, that's a perfect song. Yeah. I need to put this in the playlist. And what happened is then as my kids were growing up and they're 15 and 13 now, so mm -hmm. this is a 15 year project for me. We would end up listening. We were I, initially the, the playlist was called for years. It was called best of the best, mm -hmm. which is off the cuff. It's now called best of the best slash nines and dimes because <laughs> not all of them are perfect songs, but yeah. they're all nearly perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, I loved the dimes idea. And I don't know where mine are. How many do I have on there? 914 so many. songs. Yeah. I was very confident that I was going to be able to get through the entire playlist before oh. <laughs> we, before we recorded this, but I only got about a quarter of the way through. It's 63 hours and 26 minutes. Yeah. And I'm honored that you, I got 15 hours of your time. In whatever way, I was like 60 whatever hours. How many? Let me see. 63. 63. I was like, no problem. I can do that. No sweat. It only yeah. take me. It only take me a, a few days, and then I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, that just the math doesn't work. Like, so. you would literally just have to have this playlist on like all day for like five yeah. five and days, I, like your whole waking day for like five days or something. I know, and yours is only ten hours. Although, yeah, I've been playing yours a lot since you sent it to me, but I don't I haven't been going in order. Mm -hmm. So, like, but certain things like Jesus, that glass animal song, just does not stop coming up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. It's weird. I like when I'm looking at it now and I'm, but also like I was skipping over a lot of stuff that I already knew. Totally. But what I liked about some of yours were that you were picking different cuts. Like you were picking like later latter day Duran Duran, which are both oh, like yeah. Ordinary World and Come Undone are bangers. They're fucking bangers. And I was like, fuck, I should, I never really thought about that. Yeah. Well, what I'll say is one of the things when I was making that playlist, 
I was really conscious of differentiating. This is why I like that yours is called Nines and Dimes is because I was really conscious of differentiating the songs that are good that are like maybe still classics, but like aren't quite in my mind, like perfect. Yeah. And so like I probably would have I would have included like a song like Rio or like, you know, even like the chauffeur or something like that. I would have I would have included those if I felt like they were actually just like perfect but they're more like nines to me i respect your you know? discipline oh yeah. no <laughs> definitely your discipline is amazing on it and it actually it would be hard to go through my 64 hours mm. and like discern and get the dimes from the nines yeah because it's also what i just wanted to like the perfect thing and it's so fun to listen to some of this stuff because mm. again like there's so many of this that we overlap on totally which is amazing but then there's just like a whole part of you that I'm just like, whoa, who are you? You like a pierce the veil oh and God, shit, which yeah. I'm not against at all. Like yeah. I'm just, but I'm very early and like, actually what was, oh, this is one the other day that I found like the, like Soundgarden. I just don't fuck with Soundgarden. Totally. Really. But man, that song is what? so Fell on Black Days? Days. Dude, it's a it's fucking so perfect good. song. It's a perfect song. It's a perfect song. song. Yeah. And it, like, for sure. Yeah. Like there's just a lot in it, but I was, I, I think that's why I was excited to send you mine was yeah. just like, oh man, we have so many of the same songs on here, but they're not all like, they're not just like, oh, here are the best 80 songs. Like, totally. Of course, like, right. you know, like there's some weird shit. Oh, what was the other one I was listening to the other day? Oh, the Jerk It yeah. Out. Dude. Oh my God. What a jam. It's, and like yeah. totally perfect. And like every section, like yep. it was yesterday we were listening on the way to school and I was like, just when you think, cause it's like, it's got the riff mm-hmm. and it's easy. And then the, yeah. the chorus is great. Yes. But then right when you're tired of it, like there's something in the middle eight or something where you're just like, ah, oh, they kept it alive. Yep. Oh, that was one today. Sorry, I'll stop talking in a second. <laughs> okay. But there was another one. Oh, great. Gross long dick edit from of Montreal. Do you know that one? No. It's, no. Oh, that was one I was literally listening to an hour before we got on. And I was like, it's a perfect song. Like just when you think that you've got it and you're like, oh, this is going to be boring. Yep. They just like take the drums out yep. and it refreshes the whole thing mm-hmm. and then it all comes back and you're like, Ugh. how did you do that? I know. So good. I know. Okay. So yeah, this is the reason why we're both here together talking about this is because like there's something like very ineffable about like what makes a song perfect. Right. But let's try, let's try our best to kind of like break it down because you've already started with with one piece that I wasn't even thinking about where it's like it keeps you there like you you might think that you know what's going on but then there's like something there that just like refreshes the whole thing and kind of like keeps it interesting there's like a yes and I and I hate and I don't want to be too clinical about this Mm -hmm. there's two things that I could that come to mind Mm -hmm. and one was um there's a book by the um, uh is it Perellis no uh, John Seabrook, he's a writer for the for the New Yorker, mm-hmm. and he did this book. I think it's called The Song Machine. I have Pop it. Machine. I haven't read it yet, but I do have it's, it. It's, I can't. I think I recommend it. I don't remember. I think I just <laughs> blazed through it. But yeah. what I remember about it, and it's the way that I've always thought about pop songs, mm-hmm. and what we always, what I've always tried to do, mm-hmm. and what I think is that, and I don't think he uses this term, but do you remember those old school movies where you follow the bouncing ball Yeah, and there was lyrics on the ball, like a a perfect like pop song, or maybe this is what like Max um, Martin figured out early Mm -hmm. was it never, there's never a moment when there's not, you're not following the bouncing ball. 
it's pretty crazy. Like if you think about this, the next time you listen to anything I bet on your playlist or maybe mm-hmm. mine, even if the lyrics done, there's a melody, there's a cowbell, yeah. there's a drum list. There's just never a point where they just vamp on four chords totally. and less, unless it's just like the vamp is the thing. Is so the thing, right? I think the bouncing ball for, at least for pop music, I don't know that that counts necessarily for yours and mine as dimes, mm-hmm. but also, and this is something I'm really, because I'm writing this musical right now, which is the first time I've ever done anything like that. Cool. I'm thinking about this in this way. And, and actually it's probably true with even songs that I've written. It's like, yeah. it's letting people stay comfortable but keeping them off their back foot a little bit so it's yeah. surprising. It's totally, that thing. Totally. A little twist where you're yep. just like, you just don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's all I needed. And it, I think it's just like, it's something very, it just lights up a part of your brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's funny that that you're making a distinction with like pop music versus other music, because one of the things for me and my definition of like what a perfect song is, is that it is a pop song and that any genre of music can have its canon of pop songs. Well, totally. And it's why I'll give you an enormous amount of credit and birth when you get into like Pierce the Veil yeah. or maybe Alice in Chains, something mm-hmm. that I would be or, or Jawbox or something yeah. where I'd be like, wait, these aren't but they are. But they you know are. What I mean? they yeah. Are. Yeah. That's what I was listening to. Oh, I saw a TikTok last night of Joe Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that Tom, Tom, ticking my head. Oh, I'm ticking in my head. You know that song? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a fucking great song. But all the comments were like, oh, I thought this was an Anthrax song. <laughs> Anthrax covers it, which is, but it's the perfect cover. And I was totally. just like, it just made me so happy that when like Joe Jackson wrote this fucking weird ass song, mm-hmm. Anthrax covered it. It was so perfectly an Anthrax song that everyone in the comment section thought it was an Anthrax song, yeah. but it wasn't. And you're just like, this is why music's amazing. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Like, this is why music's fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. I think that Pierce the Veil song, Caraphernalia, is like, the first time that I heard it, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't like this, but I'm obsessed with it because it is, it's a perfect pop song for what it is, you know, which is like, that's not a genre of music that prior to that, you would never find me like paying any attention to it, you know? Yeah, that's and, right. And I heard that song and I was just like, what the, what in the fuck is going on here? Like, this is a perfect song in a genre that I never would have ever listened to, but I cannot stop listening to this song. I don't think that most people are as open-minded as that though. But I think yeah. once you start doing that and you start getting out of the genre Mm-hmm. of like this is the kind like this is gonna date me but it's like kind of growing up it was like well what kind of music do you listen to oh, you no, know what completely I mean? same same and now yeah. it's like well i feel somewhat vindicated that this generation like teenagers and 20 year olds mm-hmm. are a little bit more or maybe a lot more i think like, they're a, right? i think they're a lot more genreless than than we were because it, it was like for us it was what kind of music do you listen to like what kind of shoes do you wear what kind of haircut do you have what kind of like 
shirt are you wearing? Like literally like everything. And, you know, they have this like the younger kids, like, they have this idea of like core aesthetics, but it is still a lot more fluid than it was for us. Like literally it was like life or death for us oh, where it was really? like, you know, like if you do not have if like literally if you don't have the right type of hair to have a certain type of hairstyle, like somebody would be like, I don't know if I can be your friend. Well, not you know? to bring that into it, but I mean, I think that fluidity obviously is going into sexuality, for going sure. into gender. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, like completely. I'm explaining like my kids and my kids like whole thing. And we're in Vermont too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, we're in like liberal Vermont, but right. like we're not in New York city or something where it's completely. like, just like the coolest thing ever to be like weirdo. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's oh, a lot completely. more pressure to be in the middle. So yep. like yep. the fluidity of all this, which I try to explain to my parents all the time. They're like, what do you mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm just like, Dude, there's just like, there's no pushback on any of this in the most beautiful way. Yeah, completely. We don't talk about that as much, but it does, I think, come into this idea of what music is. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does also, it transposes itself to um, like music appreciation for for younger set too, which I think is just so cool. It's really cool. And, And I think one of the more interesting things, and I haven't really read anything about this. I'm sure that somebody's had a very articulate point Mm -hmm. is like how tiktok is bringing up the music of the past right and so it's in a way i don't know this is a big leap but in a way i feel like tiktok is almost operating as an algorithm for dimes or (laughs) 15 seconds dimes You know what I mean? Because they're not whole songs, right? Yeah, but. yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't really understand the way that younger kids, the associations that they that they make with the music that they find on TikTok. But I do think that it's really cool that there's no there's no particular era that is cool or whatever. And it's just it's always like the weirdest stuff. Like there was like a Sarah Vaughn song that was trending that like one of the like young people that follows my account was like sending me being like, have you heard this Sarah Vaughn song or like a Nina Simone song? And I'm like, you are exactly the person that I would think would like not be interested in this at all. But now, but now you know it because of TikTok and the Jeff Buckley song, Lover, You Should Have Come Over. Like, totally. I was literally going to talk about that. (laughs) They're like flipping out over that song right now, which is like, it makes me really happy. But I'm also just like, what? Whoa. Like, I did not see this coming. That my kid, so I have one, I have one kid who's mm-hmm. like really into music and yeah. like I took to go see postal service because mm-hmm. it was their favorite record growing up, you know, oh which my is God, hilarious. That's so cute. So cute. Um, but they were all about the lover should come over the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do you know about this? And it was TikTok, And I, I had a yeah. similar reaction where there was like, of course, I think, I mean, that song is, is a dime. It is a dime. He was a dime. He was you know a I mean? dime. Yeah. That, that, that thing, you know, and his whole gestalt, his mm-hmm. experience is like, should be something that came. But there was like 10% of me that was like, wait, this became a TikTok thing. Yeah. But this, so this is kind of a question I have. And, and I don't yeah. know. It's like TikTok comes in these 15 second increments. And mm-hmm. part of it is you're like, well, these aren't real fans. You're not really turning oh, sure. on people anything because what's the Patrick Watson song? There's something that's on every TikTok. 
there's some uh, cinematic orchestra and Patrick Watson have this one sound on TikTok. That, okay. I'm not familiar with it. It's a think. beautiful song and you've heard it on every TikTok ever and you might just not have connected it. Okay. <laughs> I, I wonder if I, if I can even fast it. I'll look and, it up. and I'm like, oh, did this really help their career mm-hmm. really? Or is it just this one thing? But then our manager works with Mitski mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, well, how did this happen so fast? Like yeah. she just kind of, and it was TikTok. It was like, TikTok. Yeah. It was TikTok. And yep. so part of me is just like, oh, this is a disposable medium. It's 15 it's seconds. It's not though. But and it is sometimes, but it doesn't sometimes have it is. to be. But it yeah. really like it can connect. It can build entire careers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I've, I've been talking about context a lot in terms of like how context is is so much more important now for songs to kind of like get traction, particularly with like younger people, being able to like take the song and like put it in the right context for people to realize that it's for them. And there are certain songs like the Jeff Buckley song that whatever the content is that's being made about that song, well, first of all, it's about the song because there are some that it's just like, I'm just using the lyric or I'm using this audio, like I'm using it as a trend, first of all. But then the, the Jeff Buckley content is like, a lot of it is literally just like kids being like, what the fuck? This song's so good. Or like, right. I relate to this so much, you know? And it's just like, I think that that's what has done it. But yeah, like it has made its way into the real lives of the people that like are seeing it as a as a trend. Like I, because I, I know for a fact, because one of the people that follows my account, I saw that they were listening to it and I was like, hey, so we need to talk because if this is the only song that you know, like you really do need to listen to Grace. Like, I just want to know what you think. Like, go listen to yeah, it because this is like, he's like one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. And I like know all of these songs, like the back of my hand. And like, literally, I could just like burst into tears right now. Like that's that some that some like younger person is like listening to this and like getting into it. So I was like, please, please, please listen to Grace. Like actually get yeah. into Jeff Buckley. And like, and they did. I was like, well, where's this going? Did, like, where's this going? Yeah, no, they, no and they, they did. They did. Yeah. That's just, but see, this is why. I that's a there this is the point right mm-hmm. is that it can execute as like the international omniscient jukebox of the world yeah, like totally that there's faith like I have faith that seeing that and this didn't this never could happen before like mm-hmm. every once in a while something would get plucked from obscurity like yeah. the King Bush thing probably totally. happened uh did that happen that happened because of a music supervision thing probably not yeah the, the Kate Bush the Kate With Bush was in Stranger Things Right. So there yeah. were used to be, a, there were like a couple mechanisms or a commercial right. like Nick Drake mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. because of Volkswagen commercial. But like yeah. now it's just this like always churning machine. But you're actually, you made a really good point And I hadn't, and I was always looking for an answer for that. And I think you're onto it, which is having a song be popular as a soundtrack for something mm-hmm. is the Patrick Watson cinematic orchestra thing mm-hmm. and having the song go viral or have be, have a stickiness because of the song mm-hmm. is totally different. Even totally though they different. look the same from an actuarial, you know, data mm-hmm. point driven thing, but totally. it's not at all. Right. Like, yeah. Right. That's really interesting. Like uh, who's that guy? Ty, not Ty Williams. He was like, I feel like he was one of the first TikTok guys. And I was mm. like, and he had like a TikTok song and he was like a TikTok artist that came up through that. Mm-hmm. But it felt like, and there was another one that my kid dragged me to a show <laughs> and I was like, not good. Like right. they were there because they had a trending song, but it didn't seem yeah. right. 
but then there right. are the Mitskis and like the Buckleys totally. and mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably a million other examples. And again, yeah. it's like, it kind of makes me want to cry too, right? Like, mm-hmm. why shouldn't my kid be turned on to Lover You Should Have Come Over? I mean, completely. Yeah. These are things that like, I felt so kind of guarded about for so many years. Cause it's like, well, like Jeff Buckley, for example, I didn't even necessarily have like any peers that were like that into him, Yeah, even though he is really important. Like I don't have like a ton of peers that are like, that into him. So I feel like for a long time, I just kind of like had these artists that were kind of like very personal. And it just it blows my mind that like the younger kids get it. They they like really get it. I know. And it's it's you know? kind of the funny thing about having a kid is having that meter be on like 24 seven, right? So mm-hmm. like listening yeah. to music and putting shit on that they haven't heard and being like, well, is this going or not? And it's yeah. like, it's fascinating. We, we talk about this sometimes in the band. Like what's crazy is like, especially like you're so versed in a lot of this 80s stuff that I grew up mm-hmm. with. Like why did Talking Heads become like rightfully so one of the biggest bands in the world, yeah. but REM and U2 did it. Like those bands, I think arguably REM and U2, I mean, U2 was way bigger than the, I know the Talking Heads broke up, but in terms of like right. cultural import, yeah. radio play, touring, yeah. right. those other two bands like that were gigantic. Like my kids don't fuck with it. My friends' mm-hmm. kids don't really fuck with REM. Yeah. And U2, right. and the U2 thing is like maybe a little bit because of the sphere. And I have a theory, and my theory is, and I don't know if this is right, is that. The Talking Heads are a groove-based band, yeah. and that just feels yeah. Good. And that REM doesn't really feel good, and U two doesn't feel <laughs> good in a way of like it's not. You know what I mean? Like, no, I do, I, I do, I know exactly what bands. you mean. Like, I mean, yeah, me too. <laughs> Unforgettable Fire is like probably one of the most important records to me of all time. Yeah. Like any REM record, like for sure, you know. Yeah. But you play those for my kids, and it's just like, no, oh, I, I don't like this, you know. <laughs> but you put on, you know naive melody or something and it's just Mm -hmm. like the universe opens up yeah yeah you know i never thought to kind of like not compare but sort of like weight those groups like against each other in that way but you're completely right about that yeah i mean talking heads is like just sort of by nature like a lot more accessible and fun yeah and also also david byrne is um I feel like who he was as an artist and well, I mean, who he is as an artist has like, it's a very smooth translation from like what that was in the eighties versus like how it's perceived now. Like it's very, it's like very seamless because people do still get it. Whereas like, you know, I Bono it's diminished as time has gone on because people have been like, this is, we're not interested in this. And, and like other artists, other newer, like currently relevant artists aren't like, I want to work with Bono or like, I want to songwrite with Bono or something. And so it just like, hasn't, I love this idea. No, yeah, no, I didn't mean to bring this up either, but I think you're a (laughs) hundred percent right to think about, Burn, Stipe, Bono. Mm-hmm. And there are three yeah. journeys as an artist. And right. like you and I, I mean, I bet if we could sit in a room with any of those three people, I would bet a million dollars who we would want to be sitting down across oh, from yeah, the guy sure. who is just like clearly neurodivergent and just <laughs> like making shit and refusing uh-huh. to look backwards, even to the benefit of a billion people that would die to go see them play music again. Mm-hmm. It just 
categorically impossible for him to do it because he's disconnected from him. And and Skype, I think, has had his own journey, and I don't discount him on his thing, but it just it wasn't about it wasn't a front facing thing. He just No, it wasn't a front facing thing, and he's even still like very enigmatic. And I just don't think that there's enough there. Correct. I don't think there ever really was enough there for people to fully get into the Stipe lore. No, there you're you know, but but particularly now it just like it's just there are like no teeth to grip people. Yeah, he didn't he didn't go he didn't live an artist's life in the same way that Byrne did. Right. And Bono is obviously just like he's not really an artist and he's not a weirdo. Like he's not Right, he's not a weirdo. It's the weirdos that it's it's the princes and Bowies and right. Bjorks of the world mm-hmm. that you're just like, who are these people? Are, have you, yeah. seen, by the way, have you, have you watched the, we are the world doc yet? No. Do you know about this? Oh my God. No, I didn't. Oh my God. That. Holy shit. Oh, oh, you no. are going to die. <laughs> I started last night with one of my kids and my niece and it's like Michael Jackson, Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen. And they're all oh in the room God. and the story, you know, yeah. the whole story, they had to happen on this one night, mm-hmm. the night of the American music awards. And I'm just like, I'm giggling. And I'm, and at one point my kid and my niece are like whispering. I'm like, what are you guys whispering? And like, you have not stopped giggling since this thing started. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God. Cause it's like Kim Carnes and Huey Lewis are talking about Dylan. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like this could never, yeah. happen. Prince didn't show up, but Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie and Quincy Jones is running the whole thing. Right. And you're like, what the fuck? And I'm also like, I have to see, Oh, that. you're going to die. You have to see it. Like the second we hang up. Yeah. But then you go afterwards and, and uh, you're like, this will never happen again. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we will never, the monoculture doesn't exist to create stars yeah. of this import. Taylor yeah. Swift will be the last international pop star. You know what I mean? I just want to go right. off right. on this shit, but it oh, really no, is. No. I forget my I, point, but you definitely have to see it like today. I'm for sure going to watch it, but then I also feel like I'm going to have the same reaction. I think, to it. yeah, I mean, because I think about that stuff all the time. Oh yeah. What the, the, the fact that there is no monoculture anymore. We can't start talking about this. <laughs> We just, we can't. I'm serious. You always <laughs> like, talk about this? No, I never talk about it. But if we start, why? Like, it's going to completely fucking derail what we're here uh, what for. What are we here for? Just to have a we're conversation. Here, no, we're, don't, don't, do can not. We just part two this then? Because I think, I mean, I have my own theories on this, but we can part two it. But, and I almost said something before about Pitchfork because there was something mm. about like somebody said the other day, Oh, they were like, oh, they were the last Pitchfork band. And I don't know if it was Lana or somebody oh. else. And I was like, oh, right. There was an era when a 10, when a 9.6 could mm-hmm. launch a career. Like I remember right. Broken Social Scene, You Forgotten People yep. was just literally plucked out of a pile from Arts and Crafts. And they mm-hmm. were like, and then they became, they could have a career. And I thought, right. yep, that was the end of Pitchfork. And then my mm-hmm. buddy the other day did start on a Taylor Swift. Like this is the last international pop star that we'll have. And I was like, I don't know that I have, I haven't thought about it through, which is why we could volley it for, <laughs> I respect that you're so <laughs> upset by it that we don't want to talk about it until later. But I do want to have your, I'm so curious about. Uh, no, we need, we do, so we should talk about this. You're so, you're so <laughs> curious about it. I'm like, now that you have to talk about it. No, no, we can't. We, right no, we can't. Like, I feel like you're trying. You're trying to bait me right now, and it's not going to work. Cause, I'm baiting like, you for later. I'm just chumming <laughs> the water. And when I open up this slide, that you'll just go and you can eat it, but not oh, right now. My God. Not right now. Yeah. All right. So wait, yeah. what are we supposed to be talking about? We're talking about nines and dimes. We're talking about perfect songs. <laughs> okay. We're talking about perfect songs. All right. Why don't I <laughs> so go? 
so one of one of the things that I think makes a song a dime is that it's like classic, but it's not ubiquitous, you know? So it, there has to be a distinction that like if you are in a public place, a social place, and this song comes on, that there's no confusion about who it is and what the song is. Does, wait, is does there, that mean there, it has to be obscure? No, oh. no, it doesn't. So I'll, I'll use, I will use Groove is in the Heart as like the perfect example of that. It was because, the first okay, song you put on your list, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was a song that kind of like triggered this whole thing for me right, where I was I mean, just like, because I, I listen to it all the time, even still, and it just like gets better to me every year. <laughs> like I just never get sick of it. And the more I listen to it, the more I'm just like, ah, 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 you know, but, <laughs> but that song came out, I want to say in like 1989, 1990, right? Something, something in that range. Like I'll look it up, but yes, keep going. Yeah. There was never another song during that time that ever sounded like that song ever but also even since then there has never been a song that has ever come out that sounds anything like that song wait so you think for a to be a dime it has to has to be like its own space it has to be in its own space it has to have some degree of singularity where there's just absolutely no mistaking what the song is you know so that's why like i like a song like fell on black days too is a dime because it's like you hear that song and you're just like i know what this is like the songs that are nines right are the songs that are really really good but like do have a little bit more ubiquity yeah. and so like if you're in a place and you hear a song that's a nine you might be like yeah this song is really fucking good like i'm trying to think of a, of a good example of like a nine okay i don't like this song but like young folks by peter bjorn and john you don't like it it's a long story <laughs> <laughs> fair enough it's a long story or like that song roll to me by delamitri yeah you know yeah we're like if you're in a place and you hear the song you're gonna recognize and you're gonna be like oh this is really catchy but you might not be like, holy fuck, like, I know exactly what this is. Like, I love this, you well, know? So the question is, is like, that's why I really think there's an entire universe around this concept and not just mm. a show, because <laughs> I think that if you pulled 50 people and mm. you had them build their 20 hour dimes playlist, that yeah. there would be a lot that would come up yeah. that would be similar. Right. Oh, yeah. And like, oh, yeah, that's sure. pretty crazy. And that's not like writing a hit song because that's changing Mm-mm. the parameters are out the window, right? Yeah. Parameters are out because the window. Because genre yeah. doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. are mechanisms now where we can hear like nightclubbing, you know what I mean? And be like, For oh, sure. okay, fuck, that's clearly they did it. They got it. Yeah. And right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but there's never another song like nightclubbing that ever came out since, you know, it's like the lack of ubiquity, where it's like these songs are are just, they're not examples of good songwriting, because they can never really be replicated. Because what was happening in that moment is like not something that can be, you know, remanufactured, because it really wasn't in the first place, probably. Right. I mean, I, I, I say probably, but like, what I really mean is like, certainly, it wasn't. I mean, every, every songwriter, like, like the John Lennon's and the Dylan's that talk about songwriting, and most Mm -hmm. people that talk about songwriting Mm -hmm. would agree with you of being a vessel 
asshole of putting up your antenna, like insert your metaphor here. And they don't feel, a lot of them will say, well, they just show up every day and that allows these things to come through. Not that it just like, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like, I'm sorry, I'm looking through your, I'm Mm -hmm. looking through your dimes right now to see who's got the most, like who did this the most? Oh, I don't know. I'm almost done. I I I can tell you one person has four. What artist has four? Yeah, Bjork. Bjork has four and somebody just had three. Wait, Zane? Hell yeah. Three yep. Zanes? Yep. I don't know this record at all. You got to you gotta listen to that one. You got to listen to Mind of Mine. Yeah, you have so many on there. That album, I feel like even though he's huge, he's a huge artist, you know, and he's had like a lot of time in the mainstream spotlight, but I also feel like people do not give that album credit for the amount of songs that are just like absolutely timeless. Did he write those? He didn't write those songs, I don't know. I actually haven't looked at the credits on those yet. Oh, and Apex Twin has three. Yeah, Apex Twin. But they're three different records. And also he's such a madman. Yeah, totally. And love like the Apex Twin in this era Mm -hmm. is another one of those like things like the Buckley thing where it's like, oh, my kids are like, oh, I love this. I'm like, it makes me really happy right now. Yeah, I know. Tears out of my eyes (laughs) at that. Happens, you know what I mean? Like that—that's what gets to happen right now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's beautiful because I know that like they're selecting it for themselves. It's not like this. I don't know. It's like it goes beyond just sort of like what you were talking about for us when we were that age. Like for them, it goes beyond just like needing to have like cool taste in music or like wanting to have like (sighs) good taste. It's like it's something beyond that where they're able to just sort of recognize these songs in a way that feels so much more pure to me. Yeah, because one way to think about it would be like, it's not performative, right? It's not performative. performative. No, exactly. It's just right. And that's and that is what's amazing about this stuff and it, and it mm-hmm. does again like give me so much hope for this and why i can't yeah. be cynical about music or the music industry and i know everything mm-hmm. is falling apart and record label <laughs> i i mean i like the way that it's falling apart though because in tandem with these things and like how younger kids are discovering music i feel like there's so much potential to make the whole experience like better for everybody. Well, I mean, okay. So like, do you, yeah. do you want people to know on your podcast about you working with bands or is that a secret? Um, It was a secret until we did the Spotify episodes and I went the fuck off. So, oh, okay. So, I mean, I'm just yeah. like, I just would be curious as your experience as a manager, right? Like this is your job. Yeah. Literally it's your job. It's like, well, I have yeah. bands that are great that I care about. Right. How do I support them? Right. I guess <laughs> it's like, how do I support them until they stumble into a dime <laughs> or yeah, totally <laughs> is that a way to think about it <laughs> i mean it's that's one way to think about it i mean it's like the potential could certainly be there and like the people that i have worked with obviously i'm like ooh, this could happen yeah we're getting we're very close you know <laughs> so yeah i mean it's been really interesting for me and I, we probably will edit this part out yeah whatever you think i'll uh, just yeah. like say it anyway and like i don't know maybe maybe it'll be useful but it has been really interesting to work with artists during this time because things are in shambles. And I feel like personally, I feel like it's my responsibility to be like very transparent about that. And to say like, look, there are a lot of people in the industry that like we may have to interface with that don't know what is going on (laughs) at all. Like they do not know what's going on. They don't understand what's going on. They also have like no awareness that they have like created this situation that they don't understand. Like they created it (laughs) and they don't even realize that. 
either. Wait, that who created it? Who? Yeah, who created it? I just mean like the music industry, like yeah. where we are right now in the music industry, like it didn't happen just because like of some random like chaos, like right. primordial chaos. It's like there's a continuum of actions that have like led to the situation that we're in right now. And for whatever reason, people who are like working in it don't analyze like the reality of it enough to like understand the parts that they have played. <laughs> you know, it's uh, like I records- really like that. I like what you're saying in a way though, or what I'm hearing is like that there's a logic to all. Yeah. This. Like No, I know there completely is. Nobody ever listens to me, you know, because I'm not like some like baller, like high rolling person that like has all the money and all the power and everything. And so like no one ever fucking listens to me. But there is a logic to it. And it's like, I have to communicate to the artists that I work with, like, look, I get this and I can tell you what I understand. And we can like, we can go in the direction of what I really do think makes the most sense. We can do that. But like, people don't know what is going on. (laughs) Like, it's not, this isn't like the kind of thing where it's like. But do you know what's going on? Or I feel like I, I feel like I do know what's going on. (laughs) Well, can you, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. By the way, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, la- I laugh sometimes when I get excited. What, what, like, could- okay, wait, no, 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 no. Okay, we're, no, we'll have this conversation like after, after we're done recording, because <laughs> okay. we can stay on here and we can like just like shoot the shit and talk All about right, stuff. Because, okay. like, I, that's like probably like five to seven minutes that I'm, I'm probably going to cut. So, okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> gotta stay on, stay on target. You gotta okay. stay on target. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that ineffable state of like, being in the grasp of like right just songwriting period but like the spiritual state that that you get in anytime you're writing a song it is it's a spiritual state but like this is what i think because you know i've written a lot of songs you've written a lot of songs it's always that state but like the experience of like writing or really specifically like recording like the perfect song is so fleeting for everybody that's never like a state that anybody can just like stay in all the time. So it's like what you were saying about like Bob Dylan and John Lennon and what they have to say about songwriting. It's like, yeah, there is a degree where you do, sh- you just show up every day and you're a vessel and you let all of these things, you let whatever that like creative higher power just sort of like fill you. Right. But then there's this other part of it that's like, in order to actually capture what a perfect song is everybody in the room has to be like sharing that same consciousness and that is one of the most fucking rare things that can possibly happen in a studio <laughs> like being in the studio is like silly and like stressful a lot of the time exhausting and, and I, so for everyone to be like sharing that same consciousness in that like very stressful and mercurial environment is like that's insane it's insane And I will say, like, I don't know if this is like a piggyback on what you're saying or if I'm going to totally acknowledge it. But like, Mm -hmm. I just I've been scoring films for a long time. I've I've scored 15 features. Mm -hmm. I'm just finishing my 15th feature. I just starred in a movie, which was (sighs) weird. Like, it was really crazy. But I will say there's something about filmmaking that I got. Like, I've been scoring movies, so I've been posted. Mm -hmm. I know how to do this and like how the sausage is made on that. But even being an actor and being and being like, oh, fuck, like yeah. that was the take. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like where you have a thing and you're like, you have a communication and I had to pretend to cry a bunch of times, but I actually <laughs> cried. You know yeah. what I mean? And then I'm like, well, then I did it, but was like 
was the lighting right? Did totally. the sound guy get it? Yep. Like, are they going to be able to cut it yep. within the context of a thing? Like, that's why I'm so, I love film. Yeah. I'm so shocked that there's ever a good movie because it takes <laughs> 700 people Completely. who are all in line yep. with the vision of one person yep. and serving that, yes. but bringing their own thing. And I can't, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to think about music now as an island because I know that it works the same way. It does with work film. the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It does work the same way. What you just said actually like gave me chills because yeah, because it's so it's, it's so true. And that was the other thing that like I was thinking about just talking process of making these songs. But is there if you have anything else you want to say, I'm gonna let you continue before No, keep talking. Go. Pivot. So yeah, I, I think like at a different time in my life when I was listening to music differently, you know, cause it's like the more you're doing this, it changes the way that you listen to music and it's not, it, it's peaks and valleys, right? Cause there are times when like it changes it in a bad way, you know? Uh-huh. And then there are times when it changes it in a good way where you just appreciate, you know, the process. And when you hear something, you know exactly what you're hearing and you can appreciate it like a hundred times more. Cause you're like, holy fuck. Like how the fuck, how did they do this? How did they nail it this good? But that's what your dime is. That's what that exactly. Yeah, that's and that's what your dime that's, is because yep. this, you're scanning. It's like if you're you ever see the Mars pictures on TikTok where they have the raw <laughs> footage from Mars. It's like whatever vessel, and they're just scanning and they're like looking for a thing. Yeah. Like, that looks cool. Right. What the fuck is that little rock? Because that oh. was made by water right, right. or some other process. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I think that's what it is too. It's like, you just go through this thing and you're just listening to the music and you know, you're like, oh, that thing. But then there's the one mm-hmm. lyric or chord change mm-hmm. or the way that a vocalist will tweak their voice yep. and you're like, oh, yep. oh, fuck, that's, that's, whoa, yeah. okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I agree. Yeah. And so that's where you can kind of get, maybe you're, it's the peaks and valleys that you're talking about is that it's really hard to get the peak. It's mostly valleys, it's right? Mostly- <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly valleys and that these playlists for, uh, for you and I mm-hmm. are a way to be the butterfly collector, the stamp collector totally. of, of the, of the, this is no, this is special yeah. and this is why. And right. I, and there's no through line about song length no. or Mm-mm. gender Mm-mm. or um, Genre, decade yeah. or instrumentation. Nope. It's really, can you capture that? thing that is ineffable Mm -hmm. and and that most things are not like that and i yes music hasn't gotten better over time there's so much of it and it's like it's all there and maybe i mean i don't know it's not an interesting human conversation but why i'm not cynical about Mm -hmm. it although i do wonder like are you still on a quest for contemporary new music? Yeah. Or is there just so much to be mined from the past? No, no, like- no, because I am finding that there's way more music than I ever thought that is really capturing my heart. You know, I went through a long, long, long period where I didn't listen to anything new because everything just sounded kind of like Disney music to me. And like the <laughs> pop music, like it is so, so incredibly formulaic that like I can't even yeah. tell like the artists apart from me each other and when I can all of their songs sound the same and that's the only reason I can tell them apart you know and I just was like so disillusioned by it for so long but like 
honestly, like since I got on TikTok, I have been exposed to so much more new music from like yeah. the community that I have there and really push myself to discover more things that are new. Yeah. These artists, you know, maybe maybe they haven't written their dime yet, but like I'm confident that they're on their way if they can stick around, you know, like we were just talking about like things have been weird for a while. It's like yeah. it's it's hard to prospect whether or not these artists that are coming out now, like if they're really going to be able to sustain a career, which would be unfortunate. But if they are like, I really think that some of them do have potential to write a dime. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like, it's like, it's not like it's a waste if they can't. Yeah. I mean, there are bands that I can <laughs> listen to their catalog and I'm like, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. The other thing that uh, comes to mind for me is this idea. And this is sort of like antithetical to what you just said is f- for me, it's like the lyrics and the song are in, in a certain alignment so that like when you're listening to the song and the lyrics, there's no like bad friction happening, right. you know, where you're like, wait, I didn't realize that this song was about that, right. <laughs> you know, like, cause that happens so much where you're like, oh, oh yeah, that song is about going to a mall and shooting up like a store. I didn't know yeah. that. You know, and it's like none none of that kind of like surprise, surprise stuff where it's like you hear the song and you're like, oh, this song is perfect because everything about it is about what the song is about, (laughs) you know, and I honestly like I do think that that is a really, really hard thing to achieve. Oh, the lyric thing is like. It's the craziest part about yeah. this. And it's funny because, and I hate to keep bringing up my daughter, but like <laughs> they really like, they hear like lyrics and it's, they know them the first time mm-hmm. and they can talk about it, but there's so many garbage. <laughs> there's so many amazing songs of garbage, like Oasis, yeah. like the entirety of Oasis and maybe not later, latter, but like Duran Duran, yeah. like earworm after earworm that means absolutely absolutely fucking nothing absolute gobbledygook oh my god yeah no completely (laughs) and so like i am sure there are other examples of that too i don't think i i don't think that any oasis song made it on my playlist and that's one of the reasons why but that's that's that is the reason why the later duran duran songs they had that alignment more so than early duran duran that's true because mm-hmm. the early Duran Duran were just like, what were, were earworms? Yeah. What can we sing? Totally. And and Stipe is a really good example of this too because I think until Automatic for the People really was like a, totally ab- adverse to being sincere Completely. in any kind of way yeah. until he decided to like write Everybody Hurts mm-hmm. or things like right. that. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, obviously he's a smart yeah. guy and didn't want to do that. Yeah. But- yeah, the lyric thing is crazy. It is crazy. And it's so, I mean, as a songwriter, like in my role as a songwriter, and, and I've done, you know, I've written with a bunch of different people and I've written songs mm-hmm. for other people. And the thing that I'm really good at without being like false modesty is like, I think I'm really great at melody. And I think that mm-hmm. lyrics are so hard. They are. And I know some people who are like not the opposite, but are just are amazing at that shit yeah. and it, and it's right. like the people who can do both and like i think one of the first lyricists that i ever really woke up to in that way and i think that's because i read an article that said that they obsessed like for six months over this concept was like peter gabriel like if you think oh, about yeah. like so and you listen to those lyrics yeah. and the way right. that he's yeah. his words even form where i was just like Oh shit. And and I've mm-hmm. obviously heard Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. talk about this because yeah. he was he was once talking about the difference between him and Dylan. Right. And he was like, Oh, you know, 
Bob will write a song in like 30 minutes right. and it takes, sometimes I work on a song for five yeah. years. Then you can send you that can knowing that. that yeah, yeah. You go back and you listen to Leonard's catalog and you're like, oh, I can see yep. like every word was chosen yep. and there's nothing like, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> what was I listening to? There was something even the other day. Oh, so on 13, there was some lyric. Oh, yeah, it was 13 by Big mm-hmm. Star, which by the way is a dime. It is a you dime. That song? Yeah. Is it on your list? It's not on my list, but I listened to it yesterday on your Weird. playlist and I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah. 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 Um, and, they, and there was one thing is like, let me, let me feed you at the food. It, like he left out a pronoun because mm-hmm. it didn't, it just didn't sing as well. And yeah. I really like spun out for a long time <laughs> being like, he knew it wasn't going to sound as good if he set it up the right, right way, but right. it's so much more beautiful and artistic. I don't know. Yeah. The, yeah. the lyric in tune, and this is, it's funny, like again, the Mitski thing, because I have mm-hmm. proximity to it through mm-hmm. management mm-hmm. and I am obviously care about all this stuff. I'm like, how, what's happening? Like, why do people love this? Yeah. And it's like, it's the words. It's all just the words. Yeah. Cause I went and saw her and it was like, I still didn't quite get it. Like I get it, but it wasn't I for me. Am, you know what I, mean? I understand. Yeah, no, I get it. I, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I recently, like literally within the past two days realized there's like a whole layer of like Mitski lore that I had no idea about that. I actually do need to kind of like start to pay a little bit more attention to like what is going on yeah. with her. Cause like, I mean, I, just if we're talking about like musically, it doesn't really grip yeah. me. And I've wondered the same thing. You know, this is obviously like we're, this is not to talk shit at all. I know? do not. No, we're not talking shit because <laughs> I think what we're doing is we're validating that people are having a very real visceral experience about something. And mm-hmm. you and I as cultural anthropologists <laughs> are just like, this is real. Yeah. Like it's not, I know it's real, it real and yeah. I'm curious about mm-hmm. it. And I don't know if it's just not speaking to my truth, yeah. which might be where we end up at the end yeah, of the road. And I, like, oh, she's talking about something that I don't completely for me it is that i thought that and now i'm starting to question whether or not that is actually the right analysis or the right conclusion well you've already kind of said it and i i'm shocked that we made it this far in our conversation but like i have a philosophy of life (laughs) that's like my overarching philosophy of life and you already kind of hit on it just tangentially Mm. and it is the answer to pretty much any query that you ever have in your life this is where I get into my Tony Robbins <laughs> thing, but like everything reduces to storytelling. It's yeah. all about story. And right. you use the word context before, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the, those are swappable terms. Yeah, but they are. Yeah. I think that the Mitski thing for you and I potentially, and not to assume too much, mm-hmm. is it the story isn't there for us. Like yeah. it didn't come at, to us in a moment where we needed it or yeah. we, the context around where we saw her didn't happen. Like I had yeah. a similar reaction to Lana Del Rey. Oh, yeah. like, so. I didn't get Lana for a really long time. And now Not I just for... like sob when I listen to her music sometimes. There's like my weird Lana thing was that I, it's, it's a much longer story, but I met her like when she was Lizzie Grant, mm-hmm. like we shared a producer and just was like, fuck this. Like she was Lizzie Grant. Now totally. she's Lana Del Rey. Yeah. This, she's a marketing genius. Yeah. But I just wasn't buying the authenticity of it. And then like, first of all, I met her like mm-hmm. backstage at a festival and she mm-hmm. was the coolest person I've ever met in my life. So sweet. Yeah. So this like, so like obviously 
connected. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, okay, I totally misread that situation. Yeah. And then she had this song by another, this guy I know, Simmel, who did this piano oh, song. Oh, I love that. No, you put that on your fucking oh, list. Dude, I might cry just talking about this. Oh my God. Yeah. So what's crazy is that, so I met that, we also share management. He mm-hmm. came to Vermont, sweet dude, went to his show. Mm-hmm. Show was great. But that one song instrumentally was the thing, the thing they were talking about. And I was just like, holy shit, that song is it. You did Mm -hmm. it. It's a fucking dime. And then I mentioned it to him after. He's like, oh, that's the song that Lana sampled. And I was like, what? I didn't even know about that. And then I went and listened to what her, what she didn't sample. Paris, Texas. Didn't sample. Just literally took this song front to back. And, and just sang over it. Barely touched it. And and the lyrics no, on that song are so fucking <laughs> yeah, good. I know. And and I I was just like, oh fuck. Like it's insane. You get it. Like yeah. I get it. She yeah. got it. She respected it. And then she did a yep. double down on it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the best right now. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is amazing. It's just yeah. so amazing. So like now, like that was, now I have a different story in my head. And now Completely. it unlocked the whole thing for me where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can go and revisit the entire Lana thing with a yep. whole new perspective, knowing completely. that there is a fucking really beautiful artist in there, right? Yeah, completely. I What I also feel is that, you know, although there was a lot of translation loss for me in the very beginning of her career, I do think that she has like really palpably evolved as an artist. And for like us as music people, like those are the kinds of things that you can, you can suss that out over time. And I appreciate her her older catalog. I appreciate it more now that like I have more context. But like, this is funny that we're talking about this. But like, for me, I read an article about the production process because um, she worked with um, the guy from Black Keys on Ultraviolence. Oh, I don't remember. Um, uh, Dan Auerbach? Yeah. Yeah, Dan. And I was I was reading, I read an article about like how they recorded that record, the whole process. And I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting and has a lot of through lines like how I would want to record a record or how my friends and my peers and people that I respect like what they what they do and so like I'm going to check this out yeah and when I did there were so many songs like I wouldn't say that that album front to back is like perfect or anything but there were so many songs on that record that I was just like okay (laughs) I need to I've never never even listened to that record and I don't even think I knew that she worked with Dan which kind yeah. of makes sense, but also like I know a little bit about like all her stuff with Jonathan Wilson and now all mm-hmm. the Jack stuff. But like she is very meticulous. Like she has, mm-hmm. and, and I really think like she is a master storyteller. She just no, really, she is. She yeah. is, and not just not in a cynical way. And like right, a, exactly. A, just she's built this universe around her and in order to do it, and and then you kind of set yourself up right, and then once you know how to do that. Then you're like, you're operating this like sevens and eights moment. Mm -hmm. And then all Mm -hmm. it doesn't take much because if the dime comes, you are just in a position to harness it. You're like, oh, we know how to press record. We know how to do this in a way that feels authentic. You know what I mean? People hear it. 
Like that's yep. really where you're like, oh. yeah. Oh man, that that what that also gave me chills. So many moments of this conversation have given me <laughs> chills. But that's also kind of like the that's like what we're talking about. Yeah, we are. Like that's that's right. you know it's like the. <laughs> I can't take too much credit. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're you're so you're so right about that, and like I don't know. I think that why I'm having this like physical like visceral reaction is because I'm hearing it as like such a pure truth. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh God, yeah. God, well, that's, that's what I so mean. True. Like when you, <laughs> when you said you want to do my podcast, first of all, I was like kind of, it's funny because I, you had your playlist and, and I sent it back to you because I, and I think even when I sent it, I was like, it's a fucking great idea in here that's like beyond mm-hmm. you and I talking about the songs, but again, like not yeah. to reiterate, but like, it's so revealing about a person to be able to see mm-hmm. this playlist from, you yeah. know, like especially to build it over years, right? It's not like, oh, Jason Isbell for Rolling Stone, like name a perfect song, but it's like looking at something that you've built over years and that have, and that like, I don't know, do you take songs off of your playlist? I took only one song off. What was it? (laughs) I took Ice Cream by JS off (laughs) because, okay, no, listen, listen, Ryan, I literally took it off this morning because very late last night I was brushing my teeth and I was thinking about this song and I was like, oh my fucking God. Oh no. Cause like, (laughs) that's the problem. That's why I went nines and dimes. I allow myself some wiggle room. You've backed into a corner a little bit. I, this one, because I've just always loved that song and thought of it as like, like a, like a damn near perfect pop song. And like prior to last night, I was like, it's a perfect pop song. And then I was brushing my teeth and I was like, oh no, they rhymed lime with lime (laughs) because R. Kelly wrote it. And I was like, dude, it's a fucking like R. Kelly shit where he rhymes the same word and it drives me fucking crazy. And I didn't realize this for years until last night. And I was like, oh no. And so then I went in and I like looked up the lyrics and I was like, (laughs) Fuck. And if it was a different like consonant that you would have allowed it to stay on, but the same word uh, just took it it's out. It's the same. Yeah, I was I like, okay, it. you're you're disqualified. I, which I know, I know it's very fussy, but also this like is a fussy you cannot enterprise. be. It is a fussy enterprise. Enterprise, and it's like you can't be. You, you can't be a dime. No. You can't be a dime if you're rhyming lime with lime. Rhyming lime and lime. Yeah. <laughs> if you need a subheader. For this podcast title, I think it just presented itself. There it is. What did I take off my nines and dimes? Oh, uh, I took off I Want It That Way. You know what <gasps> yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's not even, I don't even know if it's I a nine. I don't think, I. It's, yeah, I don't think it's I a think, nine. No, but it's like, you think it you is. You think it so is. That's a whole, it's that's a whole other. Right. What are the ones that you think, the, you think are like, oh, that's obviously a dime. And you're just like, oh no, that doesn't stand. That's maybe like, maybe that's a. A U2 song. U2 song. I'm not yeah, no, we've got U2 some U2 right songs on, on the nines and dimes, but Tearing Up My Heart by NSYNC is a dime, in my opinion. Oh. Do really? you know that one? I don't even think I know that one. I never got deep into NSYNC. Oh, you got to listen to it. My... Is it on your list, though? I think so. Oh, I think. I don't know. 207 I'll million to, people seem to agree with you. <laughs> so, so the other question that I wanted to ask, yeah. and we got like super derailed, but that's fine. the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the concept of like, Cause we're talking about that moment in the studio where like everything is in perfect alignment. It's like 
God just like took his fingernail <laughs> and like just decided to like swirl some shit around like in the studio. It was just like, I'm going to take the vibes. I'm going to make the vibes so fucking crazy right now. I like your God voice. Hold on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm God, dude. But you know, like that, that moment sure. that is just like, you just like literally cannot plan for it. Like it happens. Everybody in the room recognizes, okay, we're here. We're here, we're here right now. We need to lock yeah. the fuck in. But so the thing that I wanted to talk about is I don't know how to say this because I'm not I don't want to kind of like weight these roles against each other, but like the songwriter, the personnel, and the producer. Cause I think a lot of times like people really put a lot of emphasis on the songwriter. And obviously, like that's a person that's going to get the most credit ultimately. But like you were talking about with filmmaking, it's like there's so many other people who like really need to be in like full cooperation and like understanding Whoa. of like what's happening for it to go down on tape in quotes yeah, I got the you. way that it should. Right. And if, if you think about why producers are important mm. and like who the superstar producers are mm. and have been like, and I don't even mean superstar, but like we worked with this guy, Richard Swift, mm. who did like the first Foxygen record yeah. and then went on to do Soma and like was in the Black Key. Yeah. And like he was kind of this weird little industrial complex of that because it was storytelling. Yeah. It was scene setting. It was context. Mm -hmm. It was going to Cottage mm -hmm. Grove. And like Jonathan Radow, uh, Radow, who's like was came up through mm -hmm. him and I think is taking some of his vibes is doing that. But then you've got people like Nigel Godrich, who, you know, like, Holy shit. I mean, I went, I was on a thing the other day. I'm just like, I have to listen to every record he's ever yeah. done. And I found some shit that I didn't even know, like this McCartney record that he oh, did early on, wow. you know, which I was like, oh, that makes sense. But it was early and I think they fought a lot. But do you know this <laughs> Here We Go Magic record? No. Oh, I this is the best. <laughs> this is the best. Okay. That record also put this on your list. Okay. Like, Here We Go Magic, start to finish. This guy Luke Temple, mm -hmm. who you might know, mm -hmm. and he also he also has like a really funny Jewy name that he records under, like not Saul Gittleman, <laughs> but some uh, Ned Feinstein. Yeah, he's such a weirdo. Oh, Art Feynman, I think okay. that's he also records under okay. that. But it was like, oh, and all those records are really nice. Uh -huh. Like he's a beautiful songwriter. But him with Nigel, and I think apocryphally i don't even know if this is true but like they threw away all the songs and they had to write the songs in the studio wow. and it's just like oh they did it mm -hmm. like they came together and it needed nigel and it needed them not coming in with the songs in order to do this mm -hmm. thing and then it's not like nigel never did it again he obviously does right. but like that luke was never able to kind of go and make that kind of record in the same yeah. way of trying to capture that combination of producer and where people mm -hmm. are at the time of recording. And like, and it's really, it's hard to, you know, as a creator and as someone that's like making shit all the time, mm -hmm. concurrently, we are making something even at this moment, Yeah, you know, it's really like it, the only lesson to the other artists are just like, go make stuff. Right. Like you have to go do it and trust your instincts yeah, totally. and like try and find collaborators that, that, are uplifting and that aren't toxic mm -hmm. and all these mm -hmm. other kind of yep. things. But I think again, like on a good day, like you're probably not going to do anything of value. <laughs> it's just too hard, <laughs> you know, unless, but like maybe I think that's like, I'm so curious and I want to talk to you about this another mm -hmm. time, but like your confidence of like the way you see the music industry mm -hmm. and where it's 
like that it makes sense of where it is, mm-hmm. but also like what advice you would give to a band where yeah. it's like, well, what do you do? You right. go tour, you go like try and get on TikTok. Right. And like for me, I have no, my only advice is just to like keep making shit, you know, yeah. and trying things. I, be authentic. Uh, I'm going to put a pin in that because I feel like we should talk about yeah. that, but that's sort of like. Not on our thing. Yeah. Not on our dimes. Not on our dimes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I might have to go in like maybe 10 minutes just because I got to go be a human in my other life. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, cool. Great. Awesome. Um, I'm, I don't know. It, that was, I think that was the last thing that I had even like a note about anyway. Okay. But I do think okay. that sometimes it's like, well, because you play in a band and I, I don't know if your lineup has changed over the years, but like you've been playing with the same people for a long time. Yeah. And something that I do think about is the experience of being in a band, especially for a long time with the same members for a long time versus like working with hired guns in the studio. Like, have you, I mean, I'm sure that you've like outsourced some of your, um, oh, yeah, I mean, and everything. Collaborate. Yeah, collaborate. Oh, I mean, in every, yeah, tons of collaborations yeah. and we bring in new producers like almost every time. Right. And we have people that we play with like, you know, horns, player mm-hmm. horns. And even on this last record, we shipped out bass parts yeah. and drum parts to see if we could get outside perspective. Yeah, cool. But what's your question? I was just thinking about like the difference between when you're like really locked in with with a band and people that you play with on a regular basis. And like you have you have a certain kind of pocket, but then like what I'm not, this isn't even really a question. This is more of like an observation, how valuable it can be to work with other musicians specifically to kind of like bring a new angle to whatever that pocket is that like a band has and how like, you know, solo artists that are like basically like working like that all the time or working with a producer, it's a lot more, it's like a lot more modular in that way, but like... Yeah, it's a lot less flexible. Yeah. I mean, I think if you like substitute the word family in there, mm-hmm. that it might be revealing in a non-musical context. Mm-hmm. Like it's your family. Mm-hmm. So like your family has dynamics yeah. and like people could see you talking to your mom. They're like, why are you so mean to your mom? It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she drives you crazy. She drives me crazy. Yeah. Did you see what she did? She's like, yeah, she just said she liked your sweater. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but she doesn't really like my sweater. You know what I mean? Right, and you're right. like, oh, bro, like. So you, there's that, mm-hmm. but she's also your mom. Mm-hmm. And so like if the world were on fire and you could only grab one person, like she would be up in the running. For yeah, completely. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so like there's that dynamic too, mm-hmm. where it's like, there's an almost transcendent level of knowledge, trust, mm-hmm. history yeah, right. about it. And that's amazing. But also like, of course there's reasons like why, why people want to open up their relationships. They're like, <laughs> okay, great. But it's never going to work. Maybe that's a bad example. But no, I, I, mean, I know, I, I know what you're saying though. I get what you're saying. I mean, I listen, I collaborate again, like all the mm-hmm. time. I, as a film composer, mm-hmm. I'm working with like a new director, but I took on a writing partner because I found another composer that we had complementary skill sets. Yeah. And it was so amazing to be like, wow, you know, like he went to music school. Yeah. So he knows about like, 13 chords Mm -hmm. and he knows what string patches are the best you know so like we have a skill set but also like i'm writing this musical and and this guy's written a bunch of musicals Mm -hmm. but i'm coming at it from this pop he's like oh i'm like these are very sophisticated chords he's like i know don't learn too much or else it's gonna start like sounding like broadway we don't want this to sound like broadway and i'm like oh right there's value in all this so i see it in all of these permutations Mm -hmm. and i think 
And the longer that I'm in a band and the more like we have this record that's coming mm-hmm. out in a couple months and the story isn't so much about when this record, we really found our thing. <laughs> it's more about like, how cool is it that three dudes that met when they were 18 mm-hmm. can be 50 years old, mm-hmm. like putting out music that's like still pretty cool mm-hmm. and kind of interesting and like somewhat intelligent and non-condescending yeah. and also like. I think the story in that is like, we're just interested in in pushing musically and storytelling Mm -hmm. wise, but that comes from being in a band for 30 years. It's like, you don't want that from Mitski. Like you don't have eras. You're still out there, like figuring all this shit out in real time. You know, I don't know if that addresses it at all, but there's, yeah, there's obviously (laughs) a lot to say about it. Yeah. There's a lot to say about it. I was just curious kind of like what your experience was. Yeah, I'm really I've taken a lot of ownership of it now. And I and I don't know if I completed the thought, but when the publicist was like, What's the story of the record? I'm like, I think it's a story of a band that's like really stayed together and kept trying to push out as much as possible mm-hmm. and didn't keep making the same record yeah. over and over. Yeah. And doesn't is constantly trying to change the story about touring yeah. and all this stuff. And I think that we're kind of like the older, the longer we get the longer we do this, the rarer error it is. Mm -hmm. Because there's really like, we don't have hundreds of peers in that realm of bands that are in for their third decade. And I know there's plenty. There's there's the Wilcos Mm -hmm. and then there's like NRBQ been doing it for 50 years or maybe Chili Peppers or fucking Fish or whatever, (laughs) you know, who I, you know, also respect on a super heavy duty level. And then all those bands, it's just like, ah, man, I don't know. You keep a band going that long, you kind of just like, you get your props from me because it's a very unnatural enterprise. It is you know? so unnatural. <laughs> it's incredible. I, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, because people like love to give me shit for how much I respect the Chili Peppers. But then I'm like, you need to. <laughs> I love that we didn't get till Chili Peppers till just I now. Know, I, I know. But this is, it's like the most controversial <laughs> thing, you know, where I'm just like, I respect them so much as a band. And like, honestly, like I love them as a band and I'm fully aware that they're like completely fucking silly. You know, it's like, but if you're not aware of that, how are you not aware of that? Or so- <laughs> no, the silliness is what I fuck with. Yeah, no, exactly. I fuck with the yeah, I. Now that's. It's the redeeming quality. Yeah, Let's be precisely. Honest. Yeah, but then there's that there's that other level where it's like this band has been a band for like 40 years yeah. and they still play super fucking hard and like yeah. it's like nothing has nothing has really changed in how they comport themselves like yeah. in the world, you know? Like the most jarring thing that has happened is like Anthony Kiedis got a haircut, you know? <laughs> or that Flea was in a band with Tom York. Yeah, Flea. For a hot <laughs> And Nigel Godrich was in that band too. What the and smile? They did an arena. No, like before. Hold this on. This sounds like some Adams some, for Peace. What? Adams for Peace. A T O M. Oh my Adams God! Are you serious? I didn't know Tom York yeah. was in that. He was a singer of Adams for Peace. I never listened to them. I'm just. I know. Jesus. It was weird. And then the only time I ever saw them, they were playing arenas because they're both arena right. stars. But like, name an Adams for Peace song. You know what Can't. I mean? But that's the weirdest thing that we can think of. Yeah, it's of. the weirdest thing we Is can think of. Like, they just put their heads down and they made their records with Rick Rubin. Yeah. And they're still probably one of the bigger bands in the world. Honestly. Like, I would no, imagine I think, I think they, internationally I think they, are. they still yep. crush it. And that's not even to mention like all of the things that they've all been through as individuals and I'm not saying that this is like some kind of sob story or anything. I'm just saying that like it's it's already, you know, if you think about people who just have like very basic problems, 
being in a band, like most people who just only have very basic problems, like cannot stomach being in a band that tours for that oh, no. long. You it's know, a very <laughs> yeah, you have a very elevated level of like self awareness, ability to like just like you're to subsume mm-hmm. your ego at yeah. like every given yep, moment. Yep. Yeah, I mean. It's a it's a completely unnatural. It is so being a band. so unnatural. You know, from the sausage maker's perspective, like that shit is mind yeah, blowing. Yeah. It's mind blowing, and I mean, who knows? I mean, I did you listen to the Smile record? I haven't listened to it yet. I listened to it like I didn't give it a proper mm-hmm. listen, but I was like, oh fuck. And I just, I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if Radiohead's going to make another. Yeah, record, I know. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's the sad part about having the conversation, but. It's like, fuck, how the hell do they, do, do, they it? do it? And they're so they're and the smile thing, I think that might be the new deal. And and I hope mm-hmm. that they don't break up. Yeah. But the smile stuff that I heard too was like, well, you got the two geniuses. Totally. I, mean, I don't know. What do you want? Right, right. <laughs> God. No, it's it's so true. I I do need I need to tap in. I need to listen to those. I haven't listened to them yet. <laughs> got some stuff to do. I, I can do it. You can do <sighs> it. I know you have to go. There was I realized there was one other thing that I that I did want to oh, talk about. Let's do it. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. All right. So confession time. Uh, I've already confessed this in previous episodes in some way, but I, I have never personally confessed this to you. Um, okay. I actually like do not listen to the Beatles. Oh. I don't know. I mean, I'm, wow. I just like. I, I didn't know that about you. But I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It wasn't, there was no there's Beatles, no Beatles on, on, on my dimes list. Yeah. Oh, and you right. have some Beatles on your dimes list, but then also Ryan, you have some songs that sound like Beatles songs on your nines and dimes list. And so I want to talk to you about this oh, I love because it. like, I need some kind of breakdown. I need some empirical proof that the Beatles actually are some kind of like prototype for like good songwriting because it is one of those things where it's like they created a formula that was like it's complex i'm not saying that it's not complex because i i realize that it is but there's a formula that it can be broken down and, and recreated and imitated by other artists yeah. and so you have a lot 100%. of artists who have written songs that literally sound like beatles songs yeah you know and so what my question is is like what is it about the songs that other artists write that sound like beatles songs that elevates those songs to a higher level where they're considered also like the pinnacle of songwriting. Cause that's something that is like super confusing <laughs> to me. It's a great, no, it's a great question. I think for me, and I, I think they just are kind of the pinnacle I, of songwriting. So to answer your question, this is, this mm-hmm. is, this would be the, the quick answer is the reason there's other songs that sound like the Beatles in there is because on some level, I think the Beatles, they were more on the dimes tip than anybody else because they knew how to turn a phrase, mm-hmm. how to keep a, how to throw a chord change yeah. in, how to produce something in a way that felt like it kept you on your toes, but also felt like it was God's dude's thumbnail swirling around mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think a lot of it for me was like, even though they didn't invent it, they kind of did in a way of like, these are our forefathers, right? Sure. Like they were the ones in the cave. Right, true, true, But I true. almost had to yeah. do like a, a flip around of like, I just have to think about this as a song. I just yeah. have to think about what existed before totally. this. Right, 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 right. And in right. some way, like the Beatles, there's somebody's like, oh yeah, every song on the White Album started is a genre. Mm-hmm. Like- they invented heavy metal mm-hmm. with uh, get to the bottom, stop to slide. Uh, you know, couldn't tell you. Again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you don't want me to love you? Uh, 
uh, Helter Skelter. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was never a song that, that sounded like Helter Skelter. Before, Maybe there was. Yeah. Probably a blues guy, sure, sure, of course. Sure, sure. They it. Yeah. You know, but like, I think for me, it was that combination. And like, I saw McCartney recently mm. or the last like five years mm-hmm. ago at an arena, stoned out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And I realized to me, like he was the absolute, like if I could have anybody's musical gift in the world mm-hmm. as a player, as a writer, mm-hmm. as a singer, it would be his ability to manipulate harmony, sure, harmonic undertones while making a beautiful pop melody. Because mm-hmm. his melodies are indelible and they just mm-hmm. fall in a way that almost feels like it's water flowing down a river. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the harmonic underpinning, it's not just like, mm-hmm. it's not just like one, four, five or something. Totally. Like it's so complicated. It and is. The voice leading. It's like yeah. a Brian Wilson, like in Com- pet sound. Completely. And I'm like, to me, that's what I love. And I think maybe the songs that I've chosen that feel like that part of that, mm-hmm. that's what it was about those songs. It's sure. like when they can just manipulate music in a way, but also serve it up on this platter. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is actually not a chicken. It's a pig that we've reconstituted <laughs> yeah. in the shape of a chicken. Yeah, completely. And that, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And that is there are a few things about the Beatles that although I don't listen to them, like on a technical level, I can really respect them. And that's one of the things that I really like about the songwriting is that it is very accessible. But then when you really start to pull apart all of the layers and and break it down, like there's a lot more that than meets the eye here. That is totally. one thing. And this was like probably 15 years ago, I played a wedding and they wanted me to play like a bunch of Beatles songs at this wedding. And I was like, it'll be so fucking easy. Like whatever. No. <laughs> I'm the best guitar player in the world. Piece of cake. Then I started fucking learning these songs and I was like, dude, like right. I, <sighs> these Okay, okay, fine. You yeah. got me. Right. <laughs> like, you got me on you that. You got me on that. Like these are these songs are way more complex than I thought they were and they're fucking hard to play. Like you have to you have to actually really really know how to play guitar to play a Beatles song properly. Oh, there's You have so, to know. They're so hard. A lot of them they're are They're so just, fucking hard. They're, and they're and they're and they're deceptively that hard. That's the no, thing. No, exactly. And no. And, and that, so when you listen to them that way, I think, and now as a musician and why musicians flip, flip out, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you think you got this thing. And it's like, so don't. like, I was just listening yeah. to this Harry Nielsen. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to play two. I'm playing these two songs at Carnegie Hall in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. And I want to do a cover. And I was uh, playing the Harry Nielsen song, uh, Gotta Get Up. Gotta get up, gotta get out. And the chords are like, like you, you hear gotta get up and you're like, oh yeah, what's that? Like three, maybe four chords? They're, yeah, no. This is every major chord. And you're just like, yeah. that's why I love this song. I yep. didn't know yep. that's why I loved it. Yeah, and yeah, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> oh man. And I think that's like, yeah, that's probably crazy. one of those songs that's in the Beatles of your, that you're like, it's in the thing, but it's because mm-hmm. of all the changes. And then, but also like, I think you're fine on the Beatles thing. You've gotten all the legacy of it, you know, like, yeah. Well, the other thing that I was going to say that you said, you said it briefly, but you said it better than I would have said it is that they were sort of the prototype for the dime itself. Right. Because like one of the things about a song being a dime is that like, we're, we're talking about a recorded song. Right. We're not talking about just like a song that like, you know, it's like, it's right. Yeah. So like it's, it's what is captured. What makes a dime is like what is captured when the song is recorded. And so in that sense, it's like, 
the Beatles, they did so much for modern recording and production that like they are the progenitors of like what would become accessible to other people in terms of like creating totally. the dime. And then like I listened, I have all these tapes, I think they're called the Nagra. Like this was like way before Spotify. They were all the studio recordings of the mm-hmm. Beatles, like 22 takes of Blackbird, like total your Sally yeah. nightmare. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, having to listen to that. But you hear them like you hear take two versus take eight mm-hmm. and you can see them that's it's such an education i'm like oh and that's like you probably did you watch get back at Mm -mm. all there is a moment you should at least there's a moment on there when when paul sits down to write get back Mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there and he's like and he doesn't have it yet Mm -hmm. and then he just keeps going and in Ringo's like, who's amazing in it because you have so much appreciation because he starts playing and uh-huh. John and you just watch. It's one of I'm the most, you, you have to at least watch that. No, it I is, will watch it. It's that. And it's beautifully shot mm-hmm. and you just see it happen. You see it happen from nothing. Mm-hmm. And like six minutes later, he wrote a dot. I yeah. mean, get back. Is it, I mean, maybe not, but we're still talking about it. And you're like, <laughs> fuck. And that's because it's him. I'm surprised yeah. that it kind of took us this long to have that doc come up and that yeah. moment come up because it's like, oh fuck, this is the rare creature. We've never seen a salamander <laughs> give birth in the wild. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, it's impossible to find the dodo bird in its mating season, you know? And it's like, totally. we got it. it yeah. Really yeah. That. The closest comparison that I can see for like rock docs that I've seen recently is I watched the making of Pump, that Aerosmith record. <laughs> Oh yeah, you have two Aerosmiths on there? No, just one. I think you have two Aerosmiths. No, I think I've got more than. I think there's more than one. Oh, that's mine. I only have one of mine. Yeah, you have Dream On. I think I've got either going down, loving an elevator, and crazy. Loving, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I guess Janie's got a gun is not a dime. But okay, no. so anyway, so that so that anyway. documentary, like they go through the process of like of writing Janie's got a gun, and like just watching that, like it literally broke my brain. That's the reason I love rock docs is because you have to care about the process to like find these yeah. things interesting, Wait, <laughs> you know, but face, did they write that song or did they write it with what's her face that wrote all of their latter hits? They wrote it. They did. Yeah. Wait, but who wrote crying was like, who's it's like the biggest songwriter of all time. Lady. I can't believe my brain is not working. Today. <laughs> who's the biggest songwriter lady? She's like uh, Linda Perry. No, um, uh, I don't know. Okay, yeah. No, I we're gonna. All right, this she... is. The, we'll put a pin in this because we'll can't put a pin be... in this. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna cut this. This is off the record. Okay, but yeah. So yeah, process. I, that's one of the things that I love is like watching that moment kind of like unfurl where they don't have it and they don't have it and they don't have it and then all of a sudden they have it. Yeah. It's like, holy fuck. That is it. That is the. That's the spirit of the dime, right yep, there. It is. It is. All right. Well, this may evolve into a part two. Or something. <laughs> well, if you um, want to do a part two and you want to invite your other buddy, we could try three way. We it's, could it's, try. It might be might be very might be crowded. It might get know. it might get a little crazy. <laughs> but um, Guster is leaving for tour. When I'm oh, going to yes, go ahead and do the plug. Oh yeah, plug. Uh, we're our first show is in uh, March. It starts in Austin, Texas. All right, March in Austin, Texas. Yeah, seven, Guster eight, on the road. Seven eight nine in Texas and. Oklahoma, Kansas City, Florida, Ohio. The whole, the whole United States. And then just this side. <laughs> and then Brooklyn and Boston. 
then we're kind of oh, done. Oh, yeah. So if you live in any of those places, you can <laughs> check out Guster on their Aeros <laughs> tour. Two and a half hour commercial for our tour. <laughs> Or I will be not talking about any of this Tricked shit. you, teacups. This is a commercial. <laughs> you guys can fuck off. Just, fuck just kidding. Off, just kidding. Just mic. kidding. I'm well, in. Ryan, thank you for thank you yeah. for being my guest. This yeah, was like beyond fun. And I'm Super so fun. glad that we got a chance to talk about this. Yeah. And any anytime you want to call me in as a special guest um, for your other podcast, or if you want to take nines and dimes on the road... <laughs> Well, maybe we'll do that. Okay. Okay. All right. Nice to see you. All right. And And cut. cut. Wait, is that the end? That's the end, Sally. It's time to say goodbye. Oh, but Gabby, I'm bad at goodbyes. That's not true. Besides, we'll be back. When? I don't know. Eventually. Like in two weeks. What if the teacups need to talk to us? Then they can write to us at teacupdemagogues at gmail.com. Or we could give them your phone number. You've got, you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got friends.